and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, everybody watching, listening, whatever you're doing with this podcast, it is episode 15 of the podcast, the Snobcast. We're here once again with my much more talented co-host, Chase Monk. Say what's up. That is correct. Not correct. He's totally hyperboleing. I love you all. And how are you doing? And again, I brought back, because she's so much smarter than me as well, and me. Dr. And me. Dr. Gina Delgado. Judge. Gina. All right, Gina. I have so much fun. Y'all are going to see me a lot, if you don't mind. I'm just going to sneak in here. She's just going to sneak in. We we do have a special guest, and I put the call, the bat signal out for the the best and most knowledgeable Billy Wilder fans I could find, and I found the amazing film guy 97 on Twitter. His name's Travis. Travis. Say what's up to everybody listening. How's it going? It's great to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you, man. Pleasure to have you here. And I, I mean, once I got started talking to you about this uh, uh, this Billy Wilder thing, you, mm-hmm. you you kept hitting me with the with the good ish that I needed to hear to mm-hmm. to know that you were the right guy for this podcast. Also, I wanted to make make mention of the fact that you will hear clickety clacketing and a little bit more noise in the background because the handsome, lovely <laughs> Landon baby boy is with us today. A man, myth, legend, who we can never stop talking about. That's right. He's that's my boy right there. He's with us today, and I'm very happy to have him here. Thanks for having me, guys. Of course, always, you. man. Not yet playing World so, of Warcraft, but soon. Exactly. As I spoiled just now, our topic today, we're going to do our second ever director spotlight. Our first one was on my personal favorite film director, Spike Jones, which was amazing. Which was amazing, mm-hmm. and has some of the best artwork you've ever put together with <laughs> us as the wild thing. I'm well, next. We should, do a, we should do like a segment on that at some point. Is like the top, like our top five favorite thumbnails. Oh, the best thumbnail because ever is last like month's. Like thumbnails. Last month's thumbnail is pretty damn good. Wait, what did we do? Eternal sunshine. Yeah, it was eternal. Because it was easy. All you had to do was change my beanie color and change your hair color. Add some ice and it was perfect. It was great. It's oh perfect. It was very easy too. I got it done in I think under 15 minutes. Also, you you <laughs> making a Super Mario and Luigi was pretty damn good. Oh, that was great. But no, I think one of my favorites was the Back to the Future thumbnail. It's Ooh. really good, right? You did good. You made me doc. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I think that elevated things. When this baby hits 88 miles an hour, you're gonna see some serious <laughs> shit. <laughs> I, I thought that that was a great great design by you Bella. and then this month's thumbnail is a surprise so I'm not going to spoil it for people but it is going to be one of the ones we talked about today and I'm not going to tell you which one but our director spotlight is on the wonderful brilliant writer and director and I might I think he might be a better writer than director and that's saying something because mm-hmm. he's got two best pictures under his notch mm-hmm. uh, two films that won best picture under his belt and uh, quite a few more that were nominated uh, Billy Wilder one of the coolest things about this is going to be um, each one of us ha- was given three Billy Wilder flicks. What we're, we're going to do is we're going to, br- each of us going to break it down, give some thoughts on if we've seen it, what we think about it, and what we recommend it to the audience at large. So as usual, we're going to start with you, Travis, and you give us one of the films that you saw. Tell us a little bit about it, break it down, what you think about it, and you know we'll let you know if we've seen it and what we think. Travis, the room is yours, my friend. Okay, so the earliest film on my list to discuss is Ace in the Hole from 1953. Oh, dear God. 1951, sorry. Directed by Billy Wilder, of course, and starring Kirk Douglas, Jan Sterling, a bunch of uh, character actors. And it's about Kirk Douglas's character is a newspaper man from New York. And he kind of kind of gets like in trouble with various people for 
I guess his conduct. He ends <laughs> up in uh, Albuquerque. He uh, goes to this newspaper office to get a job. And so once he kind of claims his territory there, he gets assigned to report on this rattlesnake hunt. And he goes up there with a young reporter and he discovers that there is a man trapped in trapped in like a cave uh, like a like a cave in turns the story into like the sensationalistic kind of media circus and he kind of manipulates everyone and he basically takes advantage of everyone and I don't know how much how far you want me to get into the plots of these oh, movies. Oh, that's perfect, man. You gave us a synopsis. Let me ask you a question, though. Did you like it? Uh, yeah, it's one of my all-time favorites. Really? Yeah, really? I've seen it, you know, multiple times, and I own the Criterion Blu-ray. My dude, that's I've never seen this movie, and I'm not going to lie to you. It, it sounds interesting. I wanted to touch on something you mentioned there about the movie. Newspaper men seem to be a... So a journalist trope and newspaper men specifically seem to be a trope in early like cinema because you have um also the time period yeah and yeah. the time period too so you have this uh it happened one night clark gable plays a newspaper man in um his girl friday the main character two main characters are both newspaper men what do you think is it about the the journalist in the 50s 40s and 30s that makes him so uh i guess want to be on you know as a main character in a movie why are they so interesting well billy wilder had experience as a journalist before well, he started me. interesting yeah. i didn't know that before he started writing for movies this is why we and... brought you here travis <laughs> well you made it you made the observation i think either earlier yeah that you said billy wilder's a better writer than a director right yeah exactly yeah. would you agree with me on that travis i think he might be a better writer than director i would Maybe agree with that, yeah. Maybe. I would say, I would say, you know, it's it's definitely a half and half effort because as much of a writer, it, good, like fantastic writer as he is, yes. it takes a special kind of person to be able to take these wild performances, but whether you have Marilyn Monroe or you have uh, Jack Lemmon, Shirley MacLaine, or in this case, Kurt Douglas, really and funny. his character, which I actually have, I just saw Ace in the Hole, so I could also- You did. I did. Did you <laughs> like it? Um. I had mixed feelings on it, actually. Okay. So okay. I have a bit of a different perspective on it because I thought it was really interesting. And now having the context that Billy Wilder was also a journalist in that time period makes a lot of sense because that movie as a whole, the message is is of uh, the kind of white savior complex, him, but at the same time, him fronting that white savior complex in order to exploit this real tragedy that is going on. And of course, you know, there's, Tons of real life examples mm -hmm. of this in real life. And this and is a comedy? Douglas, this is not a comedy. Okay. <laughs> it is, um, how would you put it? Travis, how would you put this? What kind of movie is this? It's definitely a drama with some sardonic uh, black humor. Sardonic. I haven't heard that word in forever. Is that the right word, you think? Sardonic? I think so. Because yeah. it, it, Kirk Douglas's character is so interesting. And it's definitely like, you know, the, the Oscar. Oscar driving performance the, with Kirk Douglas. The Kirk Douglas, I am Spartacus moment. <laughs> yeah, because, like literally in like one of the earlier scenes yeah. when he barges his way into the um, the office of okay. the, the the news outlet 
he he's literally drinking as soon as he gets there <laughs> and monologuing to every single person who works there. So there's another theme, alcoholism, that we're going to be touching on uh, <laughs> closely Which with some of his other films. A, a fascinating motif on uh, like that reappears in in Wilder's works. Alcoholism well, is, is that, that that's something that I, I I've seen in several movies and actually. A movie you're going to talk about has it, and a movie I'm right. going to be talking about also does feature some alcoholism as well. Um, Which is fascinating, especially, right. you know, especially talking about the time period that this all takes in. Yeah. The, the prevalence that reporters, the, the prevalence and the power that media and reporters mm-hmm. had have mm-hmm. over the public, which is also featured in this film heavily. And um, basically how a tragic thing is turned very sensationalist, as Travis was saying, that whole thing. Um, I like and, it. And alcoholism, which is impressive for Wilder to be covering, uh, especially during a time where, you know, if you if you even refer to something as late as Mad Men, how much they covered alcoholism yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Everyone drinks in yeah, that period. Yeah. Everyone oh, yeah. smokes. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's fascinating to see a director of that caliber be like, hey, this is alcoholism. This is a problem. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Travis, would, where can people watch this movie? And would you recommend it? Um, it should, I think it's available on, you know, all the usual streaming Is it? places like Amazon. It should be. All right, now I'm going to look it up. Yeah. <laughs> Ace in the hole. That's pretty yeah. cool. I didn't know that. That's okay. So also, Travis, are you Southern? Um, well, I'm from North Carolina, so yeah. yeah. I, I knew, I noticed an accent, my friend. No problem. I just want to make sure I heard that accent right. I heard you speak, yeah. and I'm like, this boy Southern. For sure. That's pretty cool, man. I like it. I like that pick, too. That's a good one. I'm glad you chose that one, because it's not one that I've seen, so now I'm going to fill in that gap in my filmography. So thank you for that one. Now. Yeah. And everyone should see it. Okay, there you go. See? Everybody should check it. I'll check I'm going to check it out. I'll it's, check it out. It's available. Mm-hmm. I just want to be able to find it. Now. As usual, we're going to go to our first guest here, Ms. Gina. Hello. Which, which one of Hello. your three picks do you want to talk about first? <sighs> so should I go with the worst or should I go with the best? I go with the worst one first. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. Love in the afternoon. Um, Didn't like it. Which I, ha- with, I have not seen that one. I haven't seen it either. You haven't seen Love in the <laughs> Afternoon. So it's Audrey Hepburn. Um, movie as well. We love so. Audrey. And we're going to talk about a, a better Audrey Hepburn movie in a few minutes here. It's not always make a hit. Exactly. That's what I was thinking because for me, I... This genre is very new to me. This the, the, the genre meaning back in time, fifties, sixties, back in there, back yeah. there movies where where I'm just so used to now. So mm-hmm. kind of getting into the mindset was a little hard for me. But Love in the Afternoon was the one that was the hardest to go through because I just felt that I I have I saw the trope, the whole like young woman old man trope mm-hmm. oh. gives me the willies. And so, so you haven't seen a Woody Allen movie in the last 40 years. No, I, I haven't seen Woody Allen in a while. But either yes. way, the whole Lolita thing pisses me uh, off. Speaking of that. <laughs> I feel gross watching gotcha. the movie. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and then I also didn't feel any chemistry between Audrey Hepburn and Gary Cooper. This um, is sounding very familiar. I, I just, I felt like, here's this old crusty man <laughs> having old crusty relations with women. Oh. And then this, and then Audrey's like, oh, and then he takes advantage of it and i'm like this is stupid you know what i mean so like i don't mean to be that critical but and uh, and very um right very uneloquent about it well, but- you know like a like well we in in a sense you can't help 
but come from that con- contemporary context. Right, Because right. I, I used to watch older films all the time, but I kind of Same. haven't been able to go back to that. So coming back into that. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, what's really funny is most of the time when I look at Wilder in general, he's pretty progressive. Uh-huh. But Extremely this progressive. Is not sounding tr- this is not sounding very transgressive from the because it came out in 57. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need you to understand how fucking old Gary Cooper is. This movie came out in 1957. He was in Wings, which won the very first Best Picture, which came out in 19 like 29. That's how fucking old Gary That's Cooper is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was It was a silent film. Oh my god. <laughs> Wings was a silent film. At least good for Gary Cooper for making that transition, I guess. Right, right. Well, and the only reason he was able to do it is because he was really handsome back in the day. Right. He was also in a lot of westerns. As so, well, uh, right? yeah, a powerful white man. Yeah. Right? He was able to transcend yeah. through that. Yeah. For him. <laughs> but guess who didn't? The best performance in Wings is by Clara Bow, who never got a job once the, the, the right. talkies started. And that's the tragedy of it. And Clara Bow is absolutely a beautiful that, woman. It's surprising how much you hear of like silent actors being yeah. attacked. Actually, but when that goes that go, that goes into the other movie yeah, I watched, so we don't go there. We're not gonna touch on that yet because we're gonna get to that. I want to say, you know, a couple positive things about about Love in the Afternoon. Um, I felt that the father was really well played. Um, he he had really good like mannerisms to fit the role. I just I couldn't get over the fact that the father had. Well, a- that was Marie Chevalier, right? Yeah, yeah. It's- He's too charming. He, he <laughs> had a good charm to him, and I really like how he set the foundation at the beginning of the movie. Um, but like. I couldn't get over the fact that he has a French accent. Andre has an English accent. Gary Cooper has an American accent, and and they're all in France. And then mm-hmm. she's—I don't know—I don't know if she's a child. She, she seems like a child. Maybe um, she's in her twenties. A woman child. She's a woman child. She's a woman child. Which, which is a very common um, trope. Trope. Yeah. Character archetype. Right. Back right. in the day, like if you look at uh, Born Yesterday, that's the perfect example. Of which that. we're gonna get into Born Yesterday because that's another example of something that. We're going to talk about with her, right. one of the other movies that she saw because of the year that it yeah. came out. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that, that that was my version of that one. It wasn't it wasn't the fun one to watch. It was just kind of mm. generic to me. Yeah, which a is little bit. I, I, speaking on that, uh-huh. there were a couple Billy Wilder movies who, that were like that. And I was wondering yeah. if there was any sort of studio interference going on Maybe. or because he was so like knees deep into hollywood that right. that was just kind of something that just happened oh we're gonna have you like direct the script right so i'm wondering what that might have been the that one that where you know how a lot of the studio system was one for you one for me yes that might have been the one for mm-hmm. them which is uh, this? travis have you seen this movie uh yes what it's it's fine it's not one of my favorites there we go so you you would agree then that when we say that it's fine that it, that's that's a good if summation flat. it's flat no impact. it's really funny that maurice chevalier would be in something that's also flat because if you've ever seen maurice chevalier he is this lively belly french man and he yes. tones like this and in fact still... in fact the character of lumiere is based on maurice <laughs> chevalier <laughs> if you cannot tell be our guest you gotta speak in that accent with recipes no <laughs> that's pretty good though that was pretty good huh uh, i like that thank you and you know I mentioned him as the one that stood out. He stood out. Compared to the other big names. The the really funny thing is if you can overshadow Audrey Hepburn, it takes an effort because she is so talented, so brilliant in everything that she does. And I get the luxury of talking about another Wilder movie that has her in it. And I'm going to talk about it here in a little bit. It's very strange hearing that that's. That movie, and that was just the impression, though. And this coming from someone who doesn't have a very big background in it, mm-hmm. and so that one was the last one that I saw. 
So I had already watched a couple other ones that kind of helped me get into it. Right. So I had something to compare it to. I like okay. that. I like I like I like what you what you went with there, and I and I think that's really interesting. What, what you got? And I just yeah. I just quickly wanted to say that originally Wilder wanted uh, Cary Grant for the Gary Cooper role, and I think Ooh. he would have been better. With as far as as far as I go, boatloads more charisma. Boatloads more charisma. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you want to talk about excellent one of my favorite actors. That's why I love his girl Friday so much. Is that performance? He's such a dick in that movie. <laughs> Get out! <laughs> I, I I mean, it's a meme now. Get out! <laughs> I, I love Gary. I, 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 Gary Cooper can't hold a candle to Cary Grant. It's just not mm -hmm. even a. It's not even a contest. It has that 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 Cary Grant? Well, we say charisma, but it, within the charisma, there's. You know, obviously he's a handsome man, but he's got away with. There's a masculine him. energy to. There's him. a masculine, like dancer, like almost Maz Mikkelsen esque energy. To That's him. exactly okay, what okay. it is. Yeah, and that's Mikkelsen esque. That is exactly what it is. Joke. Yes. He could carry. If you look, what was that Captain Pepper movie? The you're talking about the Philadelphia like, story. I guess in the wrong <laughs> same one. They're both. They're both yeah. good examples. Well, what do you? What? What would? What is that called again? You're talking, we're, we're bringing up baby that's screwball. Screwball comedy. The, the whole scene where she rips her dress and he's trying to hide the fact that he ripped her, she ripped her dress. <laughs> yeah. That's him carrying that joke. Catherine Hepburn's not supposed to be in it. So she plays it off so well. Mm -hmm. And I think that you're right. I think that, and I, I think you'd agree with me here, Travis, mm -hmm. that uh, he would have been able to carry that film with a little bit more gusto. And chemistry. And he probably could have gone head to head with Chevalier. Mm. Oh yeah, that would have been a good. Head. Definitely because of, you know, Grant and Hepburn were in charade together, and they're they have a lot of chemistry. In That's that. a good movie a too. Fantastic film. That's a great good pull there, Travis. Okay. I mean, and charade's a much better movie than than this one if yeah. you haven't seen it. Oh my. Um, where can people watch this, and and would you recommend it? I actually um I actually had to rent it off of iTunes. It was like three so bucks. It was like two. It was two ninety nine. So yeah, three bucks. So yeah, it 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 was it fine. Was fine for was what it worth is. your three bucks. You know what? I'm gonna say yes because I learned a lot. Okay. And and I got to see some I got to see something different compared to yeah. what I was seeing before. And that's so actually that's why outlook. that's actually why I loved having you on this one because I knew you hadn't seen any of the movies we gave you. Yeah. I knew you hadn't seen yeah. any of them. So it's that's what made it really, really cool for me. I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> and I knew that. And and that's why I wanted to have the juxtapose you with, with Travis is that Travis has already seen all three of the movies he picked and he picked obscure ones, and that's why I was like, yes. <laughs> I can pick the three I wanted to. Mm -hmm. So that's a great pick. Shade, let's get to your Honestly, first. One. Okay, so I'm going to veto that. I think you should talk about your next pick yet because it's okay. related to genius. Okay. Gina's so you know what? Genius. I will go next. I will Gina's go next Gina. then. That's Gina's fair. Gina. Gina the genius. I added an extra letter to that. Whole syllable. Whole syllable. Um, yeah, you know, I'll talk about my first movie. Of the three that I watched, and I'm not going to tell you the other two, because uh, we'll get to them. Uh, the lead, My least favorite was, ironically, the romantic comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, well, which... one of them. Uh, and it was Sabrina, I, which has gotten remade and is not even as good as the original. And this one stars uh, William Holden, who was actually mm -hmm. in Born Yesterday also. Um, Humphrey Bogart and Audrey Hepburn. And the funny thing is, William Holden's a great actor. Bogey's notoriously a good actor even though some people don't like it <laughs> but audrey hepburn steals the whole movie she's so she's much better than everybody else in this movie the, the dialogue is there and it moves at a speed that bogey's used to because when you see a bogey film he always has this like super fast delivery this this really low timber and he starts talking about all the gin joints and all the places and all the world his face drooping in the yeah sunlight. because he's like 900 years old yes. um this is this is a really good example though of wilder as a writer being better than him as a director for me 
because I don't think he directs it that well. I don't think it's that well of a directed film comparable to the other stuff that we're mm -hmm. going to talk about mm -hmm. today. But it's so much better written than the movie is directed. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that sounds weird, but it's so good they remade that movie. They don't make a, remake a lot of Billy Wilder's movies because the scripts are so good and he directs right. them. But they tried to make a better directed movie and they just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. I didn't um, even, yeah, no, I didn't even go back. Yeah, this one's from 1954. Um, one of the things that you'll notice about Wilder is he's really good at handling these unwildly but simple premises. Mm -hmm. All the premises of all these movies is pretty cut and dry. This is about a guy who uh, is a playboy who's interested in the daughter of the chauffeur, but his more his older brother, played by Bogart, is a better match for him, yeah. for, for Audrey Hepburn's character, Sabrina. Um, mm. It's funny because there also seems to be a scene in every one of the uh, of Wilder's movies that ends up becoming iconic. All three of the movies that I picked that, that I got this mm -hmm. for this month's podcast have an iconic scene in them. Mm -hmm. And there's a movie we're not even going to be talking about that has one of the most iconic movie scenes of all time. And I'll get to that oh, later, too. Okay. Uh, in this one, for me, it's the scene between Bogart's uh, character Linus and Sabrina where they're driving and he, he starts to realize the realization comes over him that this girl is perfect for him, that that's the, that she's the one. That's a really iconic scene for me. And if you have, if you watch the movie, when Harrison Ford tries to do the same thing, it doesn't work as well. Oh. Even though we all know Harrison Ford, very charismatic, oh, much more charismatic than Bogey, but it just doesn't work because mm. it's not Wilder there directing right. it. Right. Um, and I, and I, and I like the movie and I can definitely recommend it. And you are going to have to rent it. I did not do either of those things. I will not tell you how I, <laughs> I will not tell you how I acquired this film. Um, but I love it. And it's, it, it's a good movie, just not a great one. Right. You've seen Sabrina. Uh, can we get some thoughts? You have I have seen not it. seen Sabrina. No chemistry. No, that's I the problem. I, okay, so on that, you know, the whole dynamic of, oh, there's this whole love triangle between these two brothers and Audrey Hepburn. Um, and you, you know, me trying my best to always fall into every movie, give every yeah. movie and yeah. dynamic a chance. I just could not stay with it, but I finished it. And at the end, I just felt my, I, honestly, I didn't like it, period. Because yeah. I felt myself very unsatisfied by where Audrey Hepburn's character ends up. I'm like, where did, it was like, kind of like, um, this is a mild kind of spoiler for Pretty in Pink, but I was just like, why does she have to end up there? Yeah. Why, why does she have to end up there? I found no chemistry. Humphrey Bogart, uh, because this film is also in color, you could see his, um, <laughs> how do you put, his love response. His old, his old, his old him with beautiful glowing porcelain. Um, Audrey Hepburn. One of the most beautiful yeah. women to ever grace the screen. And then, and Wilgate. Just opposed comedy. against William Holden, who is strikingly handsome. Yeah. Ooh, William Holden's really, really Bill Holden's very handsome. Yeah, he is. I think uh, ultimately what the story was trying to achieve, achieve was a romantic twist. Yeah. Like, there was, there was just no, the chemistry didn't fit for me. Mm -hmm. And of the time. That's because the writing is better than the performances. Yeah. Yep. That's what it is. But that, that's a sad thing, too, because, the, you know, I love uh, Audrey. I believe, you know, Humphrey Bogart can act. <laughs> I mean, you see Casablanca. I, I he's see great. Casablanca. Like, Maltese Falcon. He's great. Yeah. Like, film school, film school. I hammered Casablanca into your brain, if, of course. if nothing else. It's good script. Um, good script. Good script. Um, good script. But, yeah, no, it just didn't strike me. I like it. I, I like your thoughts on that. Travis, what you got for me on Sabrina? Um, I, I like it a fair amount. But I would say it's uh, mid-tier Wilder. Mm. I like that. Mm -hmm. I like that. Because I would agree with you That's completely. Fair. I would agree with you completely. I think it's mid-tier. And of, of the three films that I saw, it was the, 
the not as good one. Um, mm. But it does harken back to a lot of what she was talking about with your movie. But no chemistry. No chemistry. Yes. And Hepburn steals the show. Yep. Yep. You know, but she didn't have the luxury of Chevalier in this movie. Mm-hmm. She's working against Bill Holden, who's really good in there. Yep. Um, and then he has better chemistry with Bill Holden, but you know, fuck me. So romantic. <laughs> oh, I guess you'll fuck end me. up with a Chrissy as Humphrey. This Bogart. movie came out in 1954. Christy. I'm just going to spoil it for you people. She ends up with the crusty old man. Mm-hmm. Oh, the crusty man covered in cigarette smoke. And I, and the funny thing is, you can tell he smells like cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> Through the tube. Hardly. Gin. That man smells like straight up gin. I could smell him through the screen. Mm-hmm. Gin. Girl, I'm telling you, like the good age gin too. <laughs> no, I, 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 I. It, the movie's okay, and uh-huh. and this is coming from me, the actual king of the romantic comedy. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, you are. Absolutely. And I didn't like it that much. I just think it's not that great. There's much. There's much better romances in his filmography and we're going to touch on two at least two of them today so that's going to be amazing mm-hmm. um but shay let's get to your first movie okay okay so um coincidentally me and travis both picked ace in the hole which is my fault because <laughs> i should have said something so i'm going to move on to something else um because i already said my thoughts on ace in the hole but maybe i'll sum, sum them up in like to me it felt like hunter s thompson meets a little bit of nightmare alley it um, is very nightmare alley. A little mm-hmm. bit lit and framed a little bit like Night of the Hunter because Kirk Douglas is absolutely the anti hero. What you guys need to understand is Night of the Hunter is one of my favorite films. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most beautifully shot black and white films of the 50s as well. If not. And God damn it, Robert Meacham is, oh, he's not the scariest man alive. Like mentioning it at least like once every That's because it's incredible. And without that, we have no uh we have no De Niro performance in um in Cape Fear. Because mm-hmm. he's basically mm-hmm. trying to do Robert Meacham in that. Yes. It's God, I fucking it's love Night of, so much. Night of the Hunter is so beautiful. You know Robert Meacham or like Noir because it's it's neo noir though. It's I'm not okay neo. it's not full noir because it the the, the okay. most noirs don't take the perspective sure. of you know who the killer is right mm-hmm. well also noir is about like the anti-hero or like the hero that's not the gumshoe usually the hero's the the detective and he's not really a hero he's right. a drunken piece of shit yep. i would describe more as a expressionist uh dramatic horror that's exactly what it is it's, ex- it's expression it's german expressionism, it's expressionism. under yes. the guise of a murder mystery and it's directed Almost. by an actor and yes, um, Charles. Charles, yeah, Charles Lawton, who won an Oscar for playing King Henry VIII, and never directed another movie. Never directed another movie again. Because he was actually married. His his wife is actually the bride of Frankenstein, Elsa Lancaster. Charles Lawton. Yeah, he's in also in Billy Wilder's Witness for the Prosecution. This motherfucker yeah. is so good. <laughs> we gonna talk about that. We're one, gonna man. get to that, Travis. <laughs> this is why you're here, my guy, because you just have that shit ready to go. Oh, I appreciate you awesome. just pulling that out of space. We appreciate you, man, for that one. That was good stuff. By the way, good timing. By the way, also <laughs> never interrupt me again. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You never interrupt me this again. Podcast. We yes. love it. But it's 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 all connected. that's a good that's a good pull race in the hole because now I definitely want to see it. <laughs> oh my god, the cave lighting. I'm much more interested in seeing that movie now that you just mentioned that uh you guys have talked about it. I had no idea I had no interest in seeing that movie at all. Even even goes on. Once you mention our like shared favorite movie of all time. Once you once you mention that, we're good. In fact, you're gonna replace Ace in the Hole with that. Yes. Okay. Oh, 
Oh, right now. Okay. Do it. Oh, I have the honor. Because Wait, it's going to, I, I have some things that okay. I want to say about it. Okay. I Okay. So this. Her first actually, pick is going to be probably his best film. Um, One of his most actually, well-known. Okay. I would say this is his best film, at least out of the ones that I have rounded up right now and uh-huh. that I'm allowed to talk about. I'm so honored to talk about this one because it is out of his entire filmography. I do have like a good handful of favorites, but this is my absolute favorite of all time because it doesn't matter how many times you watch it. It gets even better every time you it's watch still it. Sound, it's so, so funny. Rare. Um, starring Marilyn Monroe, Monroe. Jack uh, Lemmon, Jack we're going to talk about Jack later. Lemmon, who was in like at least three of Billy and Wilder's movies. My favorite of this is not even this one. And we're going to talk about that later too. Mm-hmm. I love Jack Lemmon. I fucking love Jack Lemmon. Oh, such great comedic timing. And then I forget the names of the other actors. Yeah, it's fine. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get the important ones. Marilyn yeah, Monroe's in this. And that connects perfectly to my next pick anyway, which we'll get to later. Perfect. Tony Curtis is also in the movie. Tony Curtis. So enough hype. It's so Jamie, like Jamie Lee Curtis is dad, by the way. Oh, dang. I did not know that. Yeah, that's oh. where she gets her name. Her, her mom is oh. Janet Lee, and her dad's Tony Curtis. That's iconic. Yeah. Oh. oh, damn. <laughs> she just took... She's Hollywood royalty. People she don't is Hollywood royalty. And she's amazing. So. We love her. Everything, everything. We, we do stand. We do. We do stand everything everywhere all at once. Mm-hmm. We'll have to have a whole episode cry session. Today. Yes, go ahead. <laughs> um, so some like it hot. Uh, in my opinion, <laughs> God, some like it had it so good. Not only Billy Wilder's, like I'll I'll give it the graces uh, in in consideration towards his other movies because I also do love his other movies. But the one of the greatest comedies ever made of all time, um, and Marilyn Monroe. I almost said Manson. Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe's best performance, in my opinion. Um, she okay. How do I even, because I'm unprepared for this. I've seen this movie several times and it gets better every single time I see That's it. That's because it's funny every single it's, time. Every single scene has something to offer. Mm-hmm. You laugh, like every, you're laughing every five minutes. It's one of the funniest movies ever made. You get these beautiful musical performances uh-huh. from, from everybody, but especially Monroe, uh-huh. of course. And She's the, so good in that movie. The, this is like my favorite performance verse. And to be fair, I haven't seen a lot of her movies. Right? I have. But this is really the only movie that matters. <laughs> okay, good to know that. Like, you, you, I mean, the her sex appeal is always there. That right. was something that was, of course. Like, and it's her, sec- it's her second time working with Wilder. It's her, yeah. Oh, this is her second time. Mm-hmm. Because her first time is one I'm going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which I also see not one. But this one, for me, tops all of it. Because it, there's just such the heart and such the sweetness behind it. And it, it, it. You know, in uh-huh. being the time period, it has that potential of like kind of crossing that line into like creepiness, but it never does. It never it does. Dudes trying to get away from the mob, so they dress up as women and join this all female band. And it totally works. And it totally <laughs> works. And they actually assimilate into that community. But there's kind of this kind of this weird like romance. They're like one of them is trying to set up with Marilyn. Right. Right. Um, but then to also Tony Curtis's that, character really Tony, wants to get with Marilyn. Yeah. He, like, who doesn't? Who doesn't exactly. who to be doesn't. fair, we're going to talk about that in a minute because <laughs> I have I have some thoughts on Mary. Her, her absolutely okay. So between all of the three main characters, and you know, Marilyn of course is the shining star, and we yeah. all just want to see her. But the chemistry between all the characters and the actors bring to the screen is so magical and so iconic. And even the the main like the side characters, which I know you you got the quotes to pull out right now. Well, I'm about to bust those I'm out in a minute here. But the most iconic scenes, iconic performances, iconic 
like costume design, these scenes. I remember all of these scenes. And I've been watching this movie since I was a kid yep. with my family and the out of father's film. Wonderful film. I've seen this one the most times and it doesn't get old at all. Me and Landon have watched it together and it still holds up and we're like, oh it's all time. Yeah, it's, it's his men and drag. It's still so good. Men in drag. It's still so good. And the thing is, it's men in drag without making fun of the fact that they're in drag. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And, and it's <laughs> the early part of the century. White chicks. Exactly. Oh, white chicks. Mm. And, 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 and here's, the thing. here's the thing about that. There's another white actress. Chicks before white There's chicks. actually another actress who's working with Wilder for the first time and worked with her worked with him again on another movie. Mm. And that's Joan Shawley. She's here in, in, in this movie and she's in another movie that she worked she did a few mm. years ago. Actually, it's two movies in a row because this came out in '59. He worked with uh, she, Joan Shawley worked with him again in 1960. What another. parts is she? And in uh, was she the leader? In this one, in this one, she played. By the way, that was the uh, Super Mario music. Oh, my mind went to Inspector Gadget. Like, like. I, I think Woodpecker was the first one you did. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> that was not it at all. I don't know what you're talking about at all. This, right yeah, this um, is definitely one of those. She played Sweet Sue. Sweet Sue? Who was that? One, one of the girls? girls? Oh, one of the band She's a small part in this, and she has a small part in another movie, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Gotcha. But, of course, the most iconic scene for me in this movie is the very last scene of the movie in which uh, Joey Brown's Osgood uh, is driving them a yacht, yes. yacht, yacht boy, yacht millionaire. Speedboat. Uh, and Jack Lemmon finally reveals himself as a man. And he says, he basically goes into saying, well, I, as still as a woman, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the one for you. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Well, we're going to get married. I can't get married. I'm a terrible past. That's okay. I don't <laughs> mind. And and giving him all these reasons that these they excuses. can't be together. Yeah. Trying to find it out. And then he says, well, I'm a man. He says, well, nobody's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then it goes to the end, and then the movie just ends. And that's all you need. It's one of the best scenes, best endings to a movie. Uh, it's one of my favorite endings to any movie. I fucking love doing it because it's just he doesn't care, and he's got the smile on his face, this goofy smile on his face the whole time. Like, oh, I'm in trouble. Because he, he literally rips the wig off, looks right at him, and says, "Well, I'm a man." And he says, "Nobody's perfect." That makes wow. me so happy. And he's so mad that he just keeps getting beat. Every single time he tries uh, to to like say something, he knew the whole time. Yes. So you're no. like, oh my, Gina. I know you haven't seen this movie. I know I haven't seen any of these movies that you, I may you have. need to. I'm the one who's going to constantly just be like in the background. Uh huh. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the on, on on some like it hot, which is just a fantastic film? It's definitely one of my favorites. Absolutely. Everybody's so good, and um, like. It's a very funny movie, but the thing the thing that sticks with me is the leader of the all-girl band, her assistant, the way, when she's always yelling at him, and she yells, Mr. Beanstalk. It's always fun. God, that's good stuff. I like that. that was Every a- single scene, dude. Every single scene is hilarious. There's always something going on. The go pace is almost breakneck. And the honestly. funny thing is, it didn't have to be in black and white, but it is. They, it totally they just works. made that consecutive mm. decision, mm-hmm. and it worked out both times. By the way, because I've 50, never seen the color. His ninety, his fifty-nine movie is in black and white, and the movie he did in nineteen sixty is also in black and white. And we're gonna get to that movie uh, yeah. soon. Um, but black and white seems to be the better choice. 
But that's what they decided. <laughs> but the funny thing is, I've seen probably his best color film. We'll talk about that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But that's a great pick. Um, I love that. Some like it. It's just so good. I could the talk best. about it all day. So good. <laughs> Travis, what was your second pick, brother? Okay. Uh, my second pick is one, two, three from 1961. I haven't seen this. This is the film after one of my favorites. So hit us, hit, hit us with it. All right. It stars James Cagney. We're on a good roll. Right? A, a great performance that they joke that he didn't act in another movie for 20 years because he was worn out from this movie. Wow. <laughs> okay. That's really funny. Yeah, the next movie he was in was Ragtime in 1981. Good God. Wow. So, yeah, he, the whole movie is like, it's just him. Dic- well, a lot of it is him dictating to other people. I mean, like, go get this on so. Next, get this on so. Then go down to so. It's like a mile per minute performance. And he's a, a Coca-Cola executive in Germany. He is responsible for taking care of the boss's daughter. She ends up falling in love with this kind of radical communist and complications ensue and it really is and so you're saying he's falling in love she's falling in love with a communist in 1961 that sounds after the house an american ruined like nine thousand people's lives the blacklist that's really interesting yeah it's like of course he knows that that his boss isn't gonna like that and so they have to try to Pass the guy off as a capitalist, oh. and it's, <laughs> it really is. I think it's Wilder's funniest. Really, it's just, yeah, something I would yeah. enjoy. It's I get vibes. I get like the producer vibes. Would you say that's pretty accurate? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because the producers has Nazis, mm. <laughs> um, unironically in it, and and this sounds like it's being satirical about the whole Red Scare thing. Would you say that that's pretty on the nose there, Travis? Yeah, it's nothing can prepare you for seeing it. Okay. Oh, wow. It's just like it goes so broad, but never too far that it's annoying. Okay. It's just, it's hilarious. So it's wow. satirical, but it holds all of its cards close to its chest. Then. Right. Okay, I like that. I like that. So where did you see this thing, and, and, and would you recommend it? Well, it was uh, it was hard to see for a while. And then it was released on Blu-ray by Kino. Okay, Kino Lorber, if you guys don't know, mm-hmm. they do a lot of yeah. good, uh, they do a lot of really good re- digital remasters. They refuse to send us any of them, sons of bitches. <laughs> okay, so you saw it. Did you have the Blu-ray? Is that what what, what you did? Yeah. Nice, nice. nice. Okay, so would, should we check this out? Yeah, you definitely should. Okay. It it I'm has to be seen to be blue. This sounds fascinating. I'm liking the sound of this, man. I might have to check this one out. I don't know a single movie that came out of that time, not to the top, like at the top of my memory or, or anything, yeah. having to do anything with that sort of subject matter. That's because it was taboo <laughs> and they didn't want to touch but it. Oh, yeah. Billy Wilder is pretty shameless. To he doesn't give a fuck. Really? He doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. He oh, don't yeah. care. 
No, it's only going to get darker. <laughs> we're, about to, we're about to touch on a few things here. <laughs> With the two movies I got left, trust me. Um, good pick. I like it. I'm going to check that one out because I want to see it. Gina, what do you yeah. got for your second? I think the second one, the second one that I really, actually, the other two I really enjoyed. Um, I don't know which one I want to go first. Let's go with, I'm going to go with uh, Witness for the Prosecution. Okay, because I haven't seen this one. Um, I have not seen Miss Dietrich, 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 Marlene, yes. Love her. I, I thoroughly enjoyed her. I, I loved her stoicness. She did. She did get down to her very German roots. Yeah. Well, she's also this. in the Nachko where she's a complete bitch, and it totally works. I, and she has that bitch face that is really, really is so good. And exactly, like just like, like she looks at word. you. She looks at you, and she can cut you. And yeah, that's oh, it. She will and, cut you. She doesn't yeah. Get and like I really enjoyed it because she was so spicy mm-hmm. compared to the like other cast members. Mm-hmm. I also noticed that like yes, the casts that we're talking about at least the three that I had always have a female that has a spicy side to them. Mm-hmm. And she was, I think the, she was the second spiciest compared to the first the, one. The funny thing is we're not going to talk about ball of fire I mean, <laughs> but, and I'll touch on ball of fire later, but yeah, that's pretty much, yeah, that's yeah. pretty much Wilder's thing yes. is, uh, is spicy ladies. Yes. <laughs> and, and like, I, I actually, I was like, I, she, she seemed to be on par with Holden, William Holden's yeah. uh, acting mm. abilities. Uh, they seem to have a really good chemistry. It was far better than Audrey Hepburn and what's his face? Cooper, right? Yeah, Gary Cooper. Uh, yeah. And so, and so like, it just was huge difference because I watched uh, Wit- Witness for the Prosecution first and Love in the Afternoon last. And mm. it was day and night. And you know, what's weird is that it seemed that the Love in the Afternoon seemed to have a bigger budget. That's just the way I, I, don't, I didn't know. Because it came out I later. Right. And and it still didn't do a, a better job than Witness for the Prosecution because in Witness for the Prosecution, you're in settings that are dark, yeah. right? You have dark setting. Her her little like backstage area at that bar that she performed at was dark. Mm-hmm. You have the courtroom that's dark. Mm-hmm. And, and like, it doesn't seem like there was a lot of, camera movement it was just very stationary but it worked by the way guess how accidentally good are we are at our jobs guys what do you know who plays sir wilford roberts in that movie no mr charles lot uh, oh <laughs> you're you kidding i'm not you're joking i'm not <laughs> oh my god charles lawton the director just talked about <laughs> night, of the night of the hunter right his only uh, direct debut film. Yes, and Charles Lawton is Black in Man. this movie. Interesting. And learn more. Sir Wilfred Ra- Robards. Wilfred, which one is that one? That's fascinating. He's in the movie. Oh, he's the he's the lawyer. He's yeah. the main lawyer who's mm-hmm. the. Oh my god. Okay, so the main lawyer of the movie. Charles Lawton. Yes, he. What a grouch. Like, he was yeah. such a good grouch. You and have then, just perfectly described Charles Lott. <laughs> like, the way his nurse would be like, you need to take your pills? And she's like, I'm going to, like, smack the shit out of you. Like, and I'm like, wow. You, you're really talking to her like that. She don't give a shit. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Nope. He was, he was, like, holding a, a cigar and puffing it in her face. And I'm like, the audacity so, of this man's character. <laughs> so Charles Lawton is a fantastic actor. And I, I don't know if you guys are Looney Tunes fans. Do you guys watch the Looney Tunes? Mm-hmm. So have you ever seen mm-hmm. in Looney Tunes when Bugs Bunny's on the pirate ship? Yeah. And there's the big lip guy and he goes, Mr. Christian. Oh, <laughs> it's a very specific episode. Yes. I used to watch these. It's, and I was it's like, based yeah. on Mutiny on the Bounty. Oh, really? 
Captain Bly, played by Charles Lawton. Wow. <laughs> Bugs, 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 Bunny, Charles Lawton. Bugs Bunny is playing a character in this in that scenario. Mm-hmm. That is played by. That's played by Clark Gable. Bugs Bunny's whole personality is based off Clark Gable. Nice. Oh. In It Happened One Night. Oh. Why do you think you choose carrots like that? Ah, oh my god. Interesting. Everything else Boom. Everything's connected. Gotcha. <laughs> sometimes I bring the heat, guys. The heat. Sometimes I bring the heat. Not all the time, but sometimes. <sighs> not bad, huh? Not bad. Not bad. <laughs> and by the way, the Miss Miss uh Plimsley, mm-hmm. this young lady here, Elsa mm-hmm. Lancaster, Charles Lawton's wife. Oh really? So it's a family beautiful family. woman affair. <laughs> also known as the Bread of Frankenstein. The Bread of Frankenstein. Oh, okay. She's also in an I Love Lucy episode too. Which one? Gotcha. The one where the car oh, breaks down and the, the one lady so. with the racing hat helps them and offers them a watercress wow. sandwich and she thinks that they're she's a murderer. Oh my gosh. That's Elsa Lancaster. That makes sense. Because she could be, but she could but be. Yeah, she could who probably cares? kill you. <laughs> who cares? Um, she's brilliant. But that's a great, great choice. I haven't seen this movie, but now I want to. No, it's it's really almost psychological. Yeah. A little bit. It's got that psychological feel to it. It's not a comedy. There is some twists at the end. Honestly, this movie gave me a little bit of a whiplash at the end gotcha. because it gives you twist and then twist. And then twist, and it's all within like the last five minute, ten minutes wow. of the movie. Because it's based on the writings of Agatha Christie. Is she a twister? She's a twister. Have you ever seen <laughs> Murder on the Orient Express? Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, then, because I was like, I was like, okay, I... the movie has a specific tone and a pace mm-hmm. the whole time. You get to, you get to the to the end. Mm-hmm. The, the climax happens, and then it's like. Twist, 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 twist. And I'm like, oh my God, what just happened? By the way, you also picked another movie that got remade into a TV really? movie, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. It got remade into a TV movie in 1982. Starring oh. anyone? Bo Bridges, actually. <gasps> Deborah Kerr, Diana Rigg, Donald Pleasance from the Halloween franchise. Oh. Um, yeah, so it's got a great cast. Um, very good cast. So um, I'd say, I would recommend this, honestly. Yeah. I would recommend How it. How did you watch it? Um, I watched it on Pluto TV. Good choice. choice. Pluto's <laughs> so, free, guys. Yep, I just I just went ahead and saw it on Pluto so, TV. I'm gonna do the whole thing now. Pluto TV, if you guys want to sponsor us, that'd be really great. Pluto TV. We recommend it. We recommend yeah. everybody check out Pluto TV if you guys want to watch on demand really TV for free. Many different channels. Me gusta mucho. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Glad to see she liked it. Now, do you want me to go next? Because um, we're going like to go next, Thomas. Proceed. Because following the the whole uh train of spicy ladies. Um, I, this particular film features a very spicy lady, um, and a very spicy lady character, if not one of the most, like, notorious spicy lady characters of all time. And so this film is called Double Indemnity. And the spiciest of ladies. The spiciest of ladies, and one of the most notorious, um, noir films. It's great. In my opinion, of all time. Yeah. Um, so what it is, is basically, uh, how do I describe it? That's great. That's a great question. Um, it's, the, <laughs> it's complicated. It's it's, a, it's one of his early films. It came out forty four. Mm-hmm. Wow. Oh. Here, okay. So it's the first time um, he worked with Fred McMurray, who he works with again. Yes, and I'll get so to that later. Fred McMurray is the bomb. the bomb. But really, it's it's this really strange, very strange relationship between these two characters who end up striking up a relationship in order to profit off of um, this woman's husband basically. And they're trying to, what is it? They're trying to incite a murder. Yeah, that's pretty much it. They're trying to cause someone to get murdered. But mm. also profit off of this murder. Mm-hmm. Correct. Um, so that's why as usual. As, as usual. usual. And uh, Fred McMurray, I think he's a, 
an insurance worker, right? That's correct. Uh, that's correct. So, um, oh, what and what's the actress's name? Barbara Stanwyck. Barbara Stanwyck. Who's in Ball of Fire that we can't talk about because that's a Howard Hawks film. Correct. Does what she usually does and is manipulating men. <laughs> As she should. As she should, but uh, will it work out or will it not? Is she really in that's love the with best Fred McCurry or is she not? Is she not? Um, and it's, it, oh my God. So this, I, I feel like this Billy Wilder film in in particular maps out a lot of relation kind of relationships and a lot of drama that you see in his later works yep. but this is really where he he brings everything out uh other than some other works that we're going to be talking about in a second here but double indemnity is probably one of his more intense works because while Billy wilder as we like to say is a wild card kind of director he can cover genres such as like i talked about um some like it hot comedy in this one it's neo noir murder drama it's definitely noir and it's crazy it's and crazy. it's it's crazy all throughout because you have a will they or won't they is this a real thing but at the same time unlike you know uh sabrina or love in the afternoon the chemistry is quite hot quite hot mcmurray and stanwick are absolutely stanwick comes out in her blonde which i didn't even know was a wig it is a wig she's a redhead by nature redheads um but the wig i didn't know it was a wig um but now i i kind of see it now with like say uh, it works because that's her actual haircut ace, that she in the, ace in the hole i would not be surprised if jan was wearing a wig yeah uh i would be surprised if she wasn't because i was like this seems very scan wiki but yeah she comes out in a towel after taking a shower meeting fred mcmurray uh -huh. in the lobby of her gorgeous like little mini mansion she's like oh hey fred mcmurray like let's screw my husband over <laughs> oh my God. the photo ops beautiful but like fred mcmurray brings the intensity he's he's he always he's, has this like quiet quiet stoicism about him that makes him arrogant, sexy if not arrogant yeah but it's like that's a good way to like a like a sexy kind of arrogance he makes it feel sexy but at the same time it, it gets him in the trouble oh it gets him in and the he trouble utilizes and that in another of Wilder's films oh, excellently. Okay. Oh, okay. I know what you're gonna, I know. <laughs> yeah, gonna I'll get to that. Yeah. But yeah, Double Indemnity is great. It's one of my favorite noir films of all time. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it is absolutely foundational. Yeah. It's a necessity and, as far as- And it has another staple of, of the noir, the 40s noir. Edward G. Robinson is also in this movie. And he play, he's always <laughs> Barton Keyes. He's, mm -hmm. he's incredible as Barton Keyes in this movie. Edward G. Robinson usually plays a gangster, him and Cagney. Who works in that other movie like that we just also, talked about? Wasn't his last role ever in Silent, Silent, Soylent Green? That's correct. And oh, Soylent um, Green, really? Yeah, that was his last. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Which is fantastic and yeah. also devastating because if you know what Silent Green, his role in Silent Green is, yeah. Soylent Green, sorry, Soylent Green, yeah. um, it, it makes it that much more impactful, impactful. in that way. Yeah. That like that was his way out and that, that was his last role. It's like iconic. Now, obviously, you have not seen this movie, Dylan Denny. No, no, Where no. did you watch it? Um, or did you just do it? Actually, the first time I ever watched it, and probably those times from then on, was off of Turner Classic Movies yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. And I it saw this movie, and my brain was blown. Yeah, it played all the time. <laughs> Travis, what do you got? What are your thoughts on Double Indemnity? Because I want to hear what you got to say about this one, because this is one of his best movies. I think it's his most perfect movie. Mm. Excellently put. Excellently probably, put. Probably, yeah. I like how you put it. Yeah, my other the other contender for his best also stars Fred McMurray. Yeah, I'm gonna get to that one. Trust me, I know I know what's going on. Yeah, I know. 
and I'm going to get to that one because it's my favorite one, but I'm not going to get to it now. I'm going to talk about one other film right before that. And the one I'm going to talk about now is his first work with Marilyn Monroe from 1955. It features one of the most iconic scenes in cinema history, and it's the seven-year itch. There you the seven-year itch. This is Damn. one that I did watch in pieces as a child because mm. my grandfather was obsessed with As he should be. Oh, so the iconic yeah. scene in this one is... Mm. They were leaving uh, Marilyn Monroe's character and um, the other actor, I forget his name, but he plays Richard Sherman, a uh, man who works for a book publisher. Uh, he's just a regular old guy whose uh, wife is out of town or out of town for the summer. She's mm -hmm. in Maine because it's too hot in New York City. Mm -hmm. um, and basically, Marilyn Monroe lives, is staying in the apartment upstairs from him, mm -hmm. and she accidentally almost kills him leading them to meet each other, talk about each other, talk to each other. And they're both very lonely people in New York City. And mm -hmm. Obviously, she looks like Marilyn Monroe. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. And so they, they go and they hang out and they go to see the creature from the Black Lagoon. On the way out, they pass a subway vent. She's wearing this beautiful white dress. Close. So she stands in front of this subway vent and says, isn't that just delicious? Oh, my God. <laughs> and the breeze lifts her dress and she goes, ooh, and she does the whole thing. And my notes for this one were, uh, this movie starts with a two and a half minute intro mm. of just soul bass music and, and imagery. Mm -hmm. And that's the, one of the coolest parts about this movie is the intro is two and a half minutes mm -hmm. and it's just Saul bass artwork. Yeah. With like jazz playing on top. Which is always comforting and yes. always a good sign. Yes, just shapes moving. Mm -hmm. uh, his son <laughs> is annoying and I want to kill him. <laughs> um, from frame one of Marilyn on screen, you're like, holy shit, we're in trouble. Always. That's, oh, that's she, her charm. She though. is the problem. She is the problem. Because he has the seven-year itch. That's correct. And that is a reference to a book that his companies might be publishing uh -huh. that talks about how uh, mature men, when they get to the seventh year of marriage, start to experience the seven-year itch. Um, it's I only, start wondering. Exactly. The movie's only 91 minutes, uh, so it's also good. Uh, the thing about this Richard Sherman character is he has a wild imagination, so he starts to try to he starts to make up scenarios in his head. Okay. Worst case scenarios. So we're 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 going into the whole like daydreaming too hard. Exactly. Thing. And we get to experience those daydreams that are happening too hard. We're there with them. Uh little casting note uh that I, that I wanted to talk about, and I'm gonna wait to, uh, until Jay shows back up to talk about it. Yeah. But uh there's some interesting stuff here. Um they never give Marilyn Monroe's character a name. She doesn't have a name in the, in the movie? She's just called the girl. Is that objectifying her? No. At all? No. Or is that not? No, I don't think it does because huh. it means that it means that her character isn't necessary. And the thing is, you could also theorize that the character herself doesn't actually exist. Oh. Oh, well, that's that just she is right part there. of his wild imagination. Okay. You could theorize that. Yeah, yeah. Um, because of the way that it's done. Um, his boss, I did not like the performance there. His boss is overacting. Um, like <laughs> a um, didn't like that performance. Uh, the, yeah, the creature from the Black Lagoon had that. I mean, some of the aspects don't hold up. Um, for example, when they the scene after they leave the uh, creature from the Black Lagoon scene, he talks about terrorizing a young lady. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then in his head, he starts to think, well, he's going to tell my wife. Maybe I need to kill her. Oh, oh, whoa. It goes there? It goes there. Oh, wow. Because again, Billy Wilder don't give a fuck. <laughs> but is this a Billy Wilder film that is a drama, a comedy? It's, it's a comedy. It's a comedy. For sure, for sure. And I'm okay. going to get to the comedic elements here. Okay. All right. 
the thing about it is it's it explores some themes that you could um very easily negotiate aren't great to talk about uh-huh so the biggest thing for me is carolyn jones plays nurse finch in one of his daydreams he went to the hospital the previous year to get his appendix removed start daydreaming about a nurse he thought was falling in love with him and that nurse is played by carolyn jones and you guys all may know carolyn jones from her most iconic role do 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 oh my goodness wow morticia adams morticia the most beautiful in that movie she plays a nurse falling in love with the character and again some of the themes are are not really um great and i again i was telling shay i was just telling them i theorized that the reason they never gave marilyn monroe's character a name in the movie is because she may not be real oh that could be totally true because in reality well in a sort of reality reality, she is the uh amalgamation of his fantasy uh, as is anyone who's right it, to be honest honestly yes. and in a certain point in the movie we find out what she does for a living uh-huh and it very much okay i'm gonna give it away because the movie's from 1955 yeah <laughs> she works on tv she does dental commercials but she also did a, a photo shoot in a book that he owns he already owned the book i mean he's already seen her mm-hmm. so which gives weight to the fact that she could theoretically be just not real. just like mm-hmm. a subconscious like Correct. it's a manifestation yeah, of that seven yeah. year itch right mm-hmm. right but she's not actually real. Yeah. Um, the ending is fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a hallmark of what Wilder does with his endings. Mm-hmm. We talked about um, in the ending of Some Like It Hot um, and the, double, the end, ending of Double Indemnity is another great example of mm-hmm. the resolution is there and maybe the, the way we got there wasn't expected, but it was what we were hoping to get. Mm-hmm. To. It's the punchline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a punchline to a giant mm-hmm. 91 minute joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, Travis, it, do you think I'm far off with my... With my uh, Theory and what do you think of the seven year age? Well, I just happened to rewatch that earlier this week. Yeah. Because I owned the Blu ray for a while and I just hadn't watched it yet. And yeah, I mean, I think that I hadn't thought about it, but the theory definitely sounds plausible. Thank you. And I think sometimes I'm smart. It's not one of my favorites, but oh, I love it, man! I definitely like Tom Tom Ewell's performance oh, yeah. as Richard Sherman. Yeah, Tom Ewell's performance and, is so crazy, man. He's so crazy. Yeah, and he played the role on Broadway too. Yeah, because it's based on a play. Hmm. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, but that makes a lot of sense, especially considering the settings. Yeah, it takes place with this guy with an in- injury yeah. in his house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Easy budget. <laughs> Easy budget. There you go. And he, it's it's just a really good, it's a really, I, I think it's a really fascinating exploration of the male psyche mm-hmm. during a hot summer mm-hmm. uh, away from his wife. Yeah. And the trouble he can get into in his own brain. But right. he somehow doesn't even feel that problematic in the sense where he's, his, his mind is literally just wandering. The problematic stuff comes in when he says, when he thinks that, you know, like I mentioned earlier, when he thinks mm-hmm. that. Marilyn Monroe's character may be telling uh, everybody about him, oh. and he threat- and he thinks he needs to kill her in order to silence yeah. her. So, yeah. but for me, at the same time, at least it's self-aware about yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. because it's it's outright saying this is a male psyche who's fed it, like kind of basically fetishizing this Marilyn Monroe archetype person. But at the same time, he's thinking all these toxic thoughts yep. and what that could lead into without having to to necessarily go there. And they really know That's what they they really know what they're working with with Marilyn. There, she's <laughs> stunning. 
in every scene that she's in. Just yeah. I'm with, I'm with Travis on that one where it's like not my favorite, but I still feel like it has so much importance. Heart and humor, Marilyn. That scene, sold. that scene, that scene. It will be replayed, <laughs> it will be replayed until the end of days. Yep. Oh my God. What is it's, it like? One of the most pause moments. It is time. I mean, the second. Next to Fatal Attraction. And, and again, we go back to Bugs Bunny. He parodied that scene. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He, did the, he was in a cartoon dragon, Marilyn, and he did the whole air and, thing. I yes. believe it was Yosemite yeah. Sam or Elmer Fudd who was playing the Tom Mule character in that particular. <laughs> oh my God. So, yes, Marilyn. So, so there you go. Back to Bugs Bunny. Uh, it always and I definitely agree about the boss's performance. He's you way over the Mr. Brady's overacting, right? Yeah, yeah. I knew I wasn't imagining <laughs> that, dude. Thank you. Um, so we're going to get to your last one, Travis. What you got for me, bud? Okay. So I, um, I've i seen all but two of his American movies. Uh, I haven't seen The Emperor Waltz or Buddy Buddy, which people, uh, you know, don't have many glowing things to say about them I but seen I'm, I'm a defender of his post uh, 1960 movies particularly 123 and Kiss Me Stupid and The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes but um, my favorite of those later works is Abonte from 1972 nice. starring Jack Lemmon and Juliet Mills. Always good to have Jack Lemmon in your movie. Mm. Yeah, and it's it's a romance that really takes its time to develop. Son of a bitch, I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Still yeah. romance. He's like, give it to me. <laughs> I'm in. Give it to me. What's it about, buddy? Give it to me. I want it. So Jack. Lemon's father has died in Italy. He was a businessman on a, you know, on a business trip there. Mm -hmm. And on the tra on a train ride there, he meets Juliet Mills, sister of Haley Mills. Oh, really? Yeah. On the parent trap, ladies and gentlemen. Parent trap. And it sounds like they. Um, they end up staying at the same hotel okay. where Jack Lemon has to arrange for, um, you know, do the funeral arrangements for his father and him and Juliet Mills end up, they're connected in a way that I won't spoil. Okay. Mm-hmm. But they end up falling in love. Well, you know, well, they have a relationship that's really lovely. And it's kind of like similar to the apartment in its relationship. Hmm. But you had my interest, but now you have my attention. <laughs> Said, but it's it's a little more laid back and it's really it's just a lovely lovely movie i like that okay okay so it's a later work and obviously that means that you know 
we're dealing with 40 something year old Jack Lemon because he was 35 mm -hmm. when he did the apartment and this is 12 years later. So he's like almost 47, 48 years old in this one. Um, why, why, why do you like this movie? Gotta ask. Well, I think it's pretty much like, you know, like a lot of his best work mm -hmm. is perfectly structured. Okay. It's, you know, it's calmer. You know, it's a little more slower paced than a lot of his comedies. Yeah, I was going to say, also, notorious for that whip smartness. You know what I mean? That's kind of his thing. Almost like breakneck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but this one, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like a hangout movie. In okay. A way. Just hanging around the hotel in Italy. And it's it's just you know a very kind of warm kind of I wouldn't expect warm. I like I that. Oh, kind of slice of life. Yeah. So it's more like a slice of life type thing? Mm. Okay, I like that. Yeah, now, I say so. What, what, where did you see this thing? Where can anybody watch this if they want to? Did you do? Was it Blu-ray yet again? Yeah, okay. it's on Blu-ray from Kino Lorber. Again, Kino, I'm telling Kino, you guys need to start sending us your crap because we're, <laughs> we're going to be doing these direct spotlights. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Jeez, start sending us your out stuff. of pocket cinema. Yeah, well, Kino does that. That's what they do. They they, they have a lot of classics. Send stuff. Send us stuff. Damn it. All right. That was a good pick. And I, and I, and I love the three picks that you picked because I hadn't seen any of them. So th Travis, that's why I brought you here. Cause you picked movies that I'd never even seen. And do you know how yeah. rare it is for me when we talk about stuff <laughs> to have not seen <laughs> any of the movies that we're talking about? <laughs> that just never happened. Or, you're always doing that. You're like saying or mentioning a movie and I'm just like, uh -huh. Uh -huh. I didn't uh -huh. see it. I've <laughs> never seen that one. No, thanks for, Thanks for being here, Travis, man. Thanks for bringing those picks because I've never heard of any of them. Uh, and, and I'm definitely going to check them out now because you know, now I'm intrigued. Mm -hmm. Let's get to your very last pick, Gina. And I cannot wait to talk about this one. Man, I love this one too. Um, I'm glad you like it. Sunset Boulevard. Yes, Sunset uh, Boulevard. A heavy hitter. I think it, oh, I, it really stuck with me um especially because for me like i i thought about it in two manners i thought about it in the glorious holly old hollywood feel that um gloria swanson does with her like over dramatic and flailing on the bed and just <laughs> you know and like that over dramatic but then i i flipped it to a more darker lens because I'm just naturally a darker person. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this bitch is freaking crazy. <laughs> like, she is like, crazy. Like, yeah. let's just talk about the borderline oh, personality disorder that she exhibits on top of the fact that like, she's literally, literally keeping him hostage mm -hmm. because she like slices her wrist because he leaves. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. talk about the fucked upness that she's doing to oh, this yeah. man. Like, yeah. awesome. and it's, and like a, a lot of it was like kind of slapstick drama from her, right? Yeah. But I was like, this guy is sticking around because she says she's gonna kill herself. Like, mm -hmm. yep. that's crazy. So, oh what? What? So, <laughs> there, okay, so there's a. Oh, I remember 
So I, I watched a lot of Wilder's films off of Turner Classic Movies mm-hmm. when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. They they literally marathon him all right, the time, right. as you should. They pick him as director of the month and then they just put all his stuff and on the, like it, like how ABC Family exploits the shit out of Harry Potter. Yeah. Or yeah, how yeah, Hallmark yeah. exploits, um, you know, middle-aged white women. Yeah, of course. Uh, uh, exactly, exactly. Justice for middle-aged white women. <laughs> Listen, Karen's <laughs> need love too. Karen's need love too. Karen's need love too. <laughs> but yeah, just... This film is is probably God. This is another one of my like all time favorites. From Listen, Wild Norma Desmond is one of the most iconic characters in the history of cinema. Period. 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 There's so much to navigate in this film that it's it's and what you brought up with with the reporter too, yeah. and how he gets stuck in her like vortex and stuck in her like yeah. drama and all that because that's what she was like in a way like conditioned right. Right. to be because what the setup is is um the the character's name is norma norma desmond, desmond. Norma, desmond. norma desmond yeah played by gloria swanson swanson who by the way and I'm, I'm gonna bring this back to what we talked about yesterday lost best actress in 1950 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to the lead character in born yesterday who was oh wait what? you're welcome what? Who was? what yep no way yep we How just miss, we I, just I, talked about this. I guess I was also boring. Judy Holliday <laughs> won Best Actress in 1950 for Born Yesterday. Great movie. And she beat Anne Baxter, um, Betty Davis, and Gloria Swanson. Wow. So the two actresses no. from All About Eve, which won Best Picture that year, and Gloria Swanson in her most iconic. That is yeah. insane. That is a... Judy Holliday beat all three of them. Good for her. Um, which, to be fair... One, one, of the, very good. one of my favorite performances of all time from that era. Yeah. Judy Holiday is very good in Born Yesterday. She is the most charismatic, and she the, that is an archetype. Also, William Holden's great in that movie. Yes, I also actually that. like him as an actor mm-hmm. as well. Like mm-hmm. I, because out of the three men, the three men that were in these three movies, these three movies, yeah. he had the most seasoned approach, or at least he he might not have been seasoned, but the way that he approached the character. Mm-hmm. seemed to be fit him like a glove mm-hmm. compared to Gary Cooper's felt a little too I don't know like it was too Bill stiff. Holden also in a I Love Lucy episode uh, I love I love Lucy in general I used to watch that right oh, after Rugrats um, <laughs> um, um you know yeah. Uh, is it Nick at night? Uh, you know, after I love Lucy. It's all yeah. plus, by the way. Yeah, and I've been wow. I stream in the background while I'm working. Yep. Yeah. No, I remember me and my uh, my sibling would wake up at eight thirty in the morning to watch that on the the oldies channel. The oldies channel. <laughs> yeah, I can't even remember. <laughs> TV. What it's called. <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. So I would. You would not watch them. I would definitely recommend watching this one. I think that this one really was a good movie to start with to introduce me to Wilder's um movies yeah I also really enjoyed how like her fucked upness yes it's so grandiose it was grandiose some of the best character work ever right right just just the way that they they jumped off of each other their codependency their their like Cecil B. DeMille. Yeah, she, her twisted way. I'm ready for my close. The thing is, I could see myself becoming her in general if I was <laughs> single and never got married. I would just be her. But also, if you were a silent film actress who was dropped, which happened, in re- which is coming back to what we were talking about yeah. before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When the talkies started coming around, mm-hmm. actors and actresses would lose their jobs yep. because they they weren't used to that aspect of filming. Yeah. The sound yeah. part. But not even used to it like literally the the production studios and all that would be like oh we don't like your voice 
Yeah, yeah, like Gone. because they didn't have a voice or like mm-hmm. they were only silent, so you never knew what they sounded right. like. Yeah, it's fine. And and like Gary Cooper, like some actors were able to make that transition, but I think it's fascinating, especially with uh, what Travis was talking about with um, mm-hmm. the the one two three that other film with uh, communism. Uh-huh. This is another controversial topic to talk about at the time is confronting Hollywood with the idea that they left these kind of actors behind yep. for, especially when you're an actress right? in that right. time period right? and how that can, that's your value. Your value is based on everyone else's love of you. And if it's not there, then oh you get Norma Desmond. In my opinion, this <laughs> was more of a horror movie than yes. what happened to baby Jane. In my opinion. <laughs> oh, what happened to baby Jane? That was I like that bad. one. I've actually seen that one. And, and <laughs> that one has been, ironically, best picture loser or best actress loser that year, Betty Davis. Mm. Um, so the, there's so many iconic scenes in life in this one. We didn't need dialogue. We had faces. Exactly. I'm ready for my close-up missing oh, now. Yeah. 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 Like literally watching her own videos. Oh my God. It, I just, it reminds me of Amy Winehouse. She, she, did you know Amy Winehouse died while watching her own videos on YouTube? She had drank too much. And um, it they just when she died, she was found with them streaming just on there. So that's wow, why that's crazy. why that's why when you say this is a horror movie, yeah. Um, or like it's mm-hmm. a heavy movie. I it mean, is? she's very hilarious with the way she acts, but yeah. it's 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 definitely a, she's conditioned. I yeah. am. Big. She's a conditioned yeah. character because it's she was like yeah, small. like you were saying when when she's the journalist comes in. I forget his name. Mm-hmm. He it's kind of irrelevant, honestly, because yeah. he's he's the audience's perspective coming mm-hmm. into this yes. um aged for age quote unquote even yeah. though she's like literally in her 40s yeah 50s or 50s whatever um which at the time was like oh you're really ancient ancient yeah. um, coming in seeing her watch her own movies her younger self you're like wow that's what you used to be but now you're this person who's literally you know it's, it's like uncle rico from napoleon dynamite yeah. <laughs> i used yeah. to be able to throw it over to the mountains <laughs> Only to this extreme extent. And yes. it really is like a, it's almost a tragic comedy, it but there's tragic. like, when you get to the end of it, there's no comedy left. No, no. there's none left no. to, be, to be heard there. Yeah. And there's a character in it called Sheldrake. And he goes back Sheldrake. to that name 10 years later mm-hmm. in another one of his movies. Really? He gives another character well, in another name? one of his movies oh. the, the, the surname of Sheldrake. Which is there a reason for that? Which movie? <laughs> well, we're gonna get to that movie very soon. <laughs> so, yeah, I'd recommend it. I watched it um through iTunes. Yeah, so I rented it. That's worth well worth your three bucks. Yeah, yeah, it was great. It's worth more than three bucks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you should definitely check. Oh, God, Sunset Boulevard is amazing. Honestly, I would fight to say that. Other than Some Like It Hot, mm-hmm. honestly, Some Like It Hot is kind of almost in its own thing because it's a comedy. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. straight comedy, and it's Billy Wilder comedy is more than successful at that. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like this black drama, which you were saying earlier, his films almost feel psychological. Yeah. I, I agree with that entirely. It, it was psychological. He has that edge and that angle that other directors didn't. He was confrontational like other directors weren't and right. he was able to get away with it. Right. I would say this is his best dramatic. Yeah, uh, she cray. And she did a good, <laughs> she did a good job being crazy. Oh. <laughs> no, she's, oh, he might actually be insane. Yeah. Um, what is your last one? What you got? My last one. So we so we mentioned Sunset Boulevard, which is another one of my favorites. Some Like It Hot, which is another one of my all-time favorites. But out of, other than Sunset Boulevard, I would say out of um, Wilder's heavier choice topics, this is one of my favorite films. 
honestly, of all time when it comes to this kind of subject matter, which is a very dark subject matter, but how he navigates it is so nuanced and so personal. I wouldn't be surprised if it, if it really came from within, within mm-hmm. himself mm-hmm. and that reference. So my last film is The Last Weekend. And God, first, it's a great movie. If this is not a psychological film, I don't know what is. God, because it's a great movie. This is, and this is, it's interesting too, because while Wilder's films create and describe realities that feel almost like out of reality Mm -hmm. or this one is actually like incredibly and visually out of touch with reality and it's one of the closest depictions to straight up alcoholism I have ever seen so it was released in 1945 and stars uh Ray Ray Milland Ray Milland thank you Jane Wyman and Jane Wyman she's so good um, and this, you know, like quite quite a few cast members, but in reality, it's really just about this one guy and his quote unquote lost weekend, which is the perfect title of all time. <laughs> a beautiful title because it is a lost weekend as an alcoholic. He literally the first thing, the first big indication that he is an alcoholic is literally him pulling a bottle of liquor that he saved out from outside the window because it's very evident that he has a problem with alcohol but he literally hid a bottle of alcohol outside of his window and held it by like a clothesline or fishing line pulls it in when his wife leaves he's like you gotta get your shit together Uh or otherwise i'm leaving you um and he's like okay she leaves and takes the (laughs) bottle out starts drinking and that begins (laughs) goes on a four-day bender oh and he's a musician he ends up selling his instrument just and drink. that's why it's called the lost weekend because he's four day yeah, drunk. This is like the original requiem for a dream. <laughs> <laughs> requiem for a dream was and requiem oh. is up my alley. So this was movie. his first movie to win Best Picture, as it should. And it Ray Milan, I believe, won Best Actor that year mm-hmm. for playing Don Burnham, as he should. our alcoholic leading man. There is a scene with the lights and the shadows. About midway through the movie, when he's going through an absolute halcyon psychosis, like full on, which I've never, honestly, I've never seen psychosis. Like obviously, we have these later films that are a lot more honed in on that, but this is a what I just say, forty five, yeah, forty four, forty five. This is the like the most like bonkers psychosis like ever portrayed on cinema for me. Yeah, and it felt very close to home because at the time, like I, I, I also knew what what that what that was. Yeah. But it, it plays into these surrealist scenes, but you're you're seeing it from the character's perspective. Mm-hmm. And that was insane. Mm-hmm. Little known fact, it's such a good um, illustration of alcoholism yes. that um, the alcohol industry, the liquor industry, offered Paramount Pictures $5 million not to release it. Wow. Yeah. Billy Wilder said if they'd offered it to him personally, he didn't. <laughs> That's insane. But that... How, what else does that love say that. about that film and his power his power yeah. as a voice to be able to be like this is a problem this is a problem that one guy but also a bunch of other guys have yep. going back to ace in the hole kirk douglas's character is a full-on alcoholic correct this yep. second scene is literally him drinking the, 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 at the job and in in, in a seven-year itch our main <laughs> character is trying not to drink but then ends up doing it hey that mm-hmm. happened in uh Marilyn monroe in uh 
Witness for the prosecution. The the lawyer is exactly. an alcoholic and wow. and he is put on like probation. Not probation. He's basically his doctor told him don't drink and correct. Like, oh wow, that just clicked. Bam. <laughs> Look at you connecting the dots as we go along. It's a huge monkey. This almost screams okay. So I don't know if you know what movie I'm gonna talk about as a reference. Um and Nightmare Alley again comes up because the I original, think, like, not the remake, thank you. The remake. Well, I haven't seen the original. I like the remake. We could talk about that. The original's better. I, I also had. We'll talk about that later. Um, but uh, it's the something something hallway, and this was also a film that depicted um, psychosis hmm. in the forties. And I saw it. It's more of a camp film from a camp sort of director, yeah. but the way that it also portrayed psychosis, it almost on a girl interrupted, but like mm-hmm. yeah. it's girl interrupted, but the last weekend. Mm-hmm. But the last yeah. weekend, <laughs> the last weekend is that situation, but not yet reaching. Right. Not yet in the psych ward. Kind I'll, of. I'll tell you, there's so many decisions okay, that he makes that that parallel a noir film as far as the way it's shot. Interesting. Yeah um but he he just it, it really is one of his most complete performances as a director because mm-hmm. he's guiding don burnham played by ray Milland, to this inevitability of like mm-hmm. i have a problem mm-hmm. and, and it's I really do not know how to get away from it very from deep it. it's surprisingly like very deeply felt that's what kind of funny experience hmm. it's a little bit funny. it is deeply felt we're back to, <laughs> now we're back to our felt um, from last week yeah, we're back here again oh I, I love this movie and i'm I'm so glad that you yeah. that i gave that one to you because i would have mm-hmm. oh no i think I, I think i took it i was yeah. like that's yeah. mine yeah no it's <laughs> it's it one is, of my favorites of his it is at my alley because yeah. it, it's um uh i would i would uh if we were to describe it into a genre psychological comes first hmm. yeah absolutely yeah and i think it's it, an exploration it's an existential exploration of oh, alcoholism we all know i like that Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I'll definitely watch this it. Is, this is it. This is it. And you're like, after you're done watching it, like, that was a lot. You're gonna I need, need a to, drink. You're going <laughs> to need to watch the last movie we're talking about to get over the fact that you just watched that one. Uh, which reminds me, Travis, let's get your thoughts on The Lost Weekend real quick, because I want to hear what you have to say about this. I actually have somewhat mixed feelings on it. Okay, I'm going to mute you now anyway. <laughs> Go off, go off, go off. Okay. I think it gets a little too histrionic towards the end. Like Milan. Okay. Milan kind of, I don't know. I think it goes a little bit overboard at the end. But I think that might, I might be, need to rewatch it. I think that might be the point, though. In in my perspective, I agree because that's it. It very much leans into a note of the hunter expressionism. Ooh. There's where, a lot of expressionism in it. Where it, it, I think in like sort of, in, I like how you dropped also noir because although it's not a noir genre, correct, it's very much filmed as if it was a noir. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. The, oh my god, if. If you've seen it, you know which parts I'm talking about, but the parts where the horror hits, you're like, oh my God, and that's so dark. And it's it's very much deeply felted. <laughs> but the, the expressionism is there. And I, I know what you're ta- like speaking on 
um, Travis, where it, it kind of, but I think, I think it also leans into it in, in the idea that he's literally spiraling yep. and he's stuck in mm -hmm. this sort of mindset where he's just, um, he's falling into it and, right. and he doesn't know how to get out. And he's like in this dark space, he's going through withdrawals sort of thing. So for me, for me, it worked. For me, it worked, but definitely it, it might not work for everybody in that sense because it does really, really go into yeah. it. Like yeah. not a lot of films. It, it explores its themes heavily, I, I gotta say. Mm -hmm. Let's get to this last movie because it's rant time, baby. Oh, <laughs> Let's go. My last pick is my favorite Billy Wilder movie and one of my top five oh boy. favorite films oh boy. of all time. It won Best Picture for the year 1960. Stars Jack Lemon, Shirley MacLaine, mm -hmm. and Fred McMurray as mm -hmm. Mr. Sheldrake. Going back to what I just said. Mm -hmm. And it is called The Apartment. I love this fucking movie. I love God, I, I love, love that fucking movie. I, I think it might have actually been the first Wilder movie I've ever seen. It starts, it, the opening is fantastic. It opens with Jack Lemon on a voiceover saying that the, the population of New York City is 8.5 million. I live in a 19th story. I live in the 19th floor of an apartment complex. I get paid this month. He's basically very statistical based, very he's analytical bored. fella. Yeah. Because he works for an insurance company. He's very, very blend. Right. Another insurance vanilla. Yes. And vanilla. Well, it's life insurance in this case. And everybody, all of his bosses cheat on their wives and use his apartment to do it. <laughs> That's the premise. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Including Does he charge? No, uh -uh. but he, he's using it as a stepping stool up the social up the ladder. Social ladder. Okay, so social capital. And Jack Lemon plays this guy, C.C. Baxter. Mm -hmm. And I love this character so much. Mm -hmm. He's one of my favorite characters in cinema ever. He's just such an innocent vanilla guy. Mm -hmm. He's he in love with the elevator girl that works at his building, played by Shirley MacLaine. Uh -huh. Who ah, treasure for me. And I wrote this. Wait, and I wrote this. <laughs> uh, I wish rent were still the price that he said. He pays like eleven hundred dollars oh. a month for, or uh, like he gets paid eleven hundred dollars a month, uh -huh. and he, his rent is like two fifty. Oh my gosh! The time. the time. Jack Lemon as an everyman, have. it just works too well. It just does. Mm -hmm. uh, can we talk about how stunning Shirley MacLaine is here? The manic the pixie dream girl started with Miss Kubelik in this movie. Manic pixie, pixie dream girl, literally wearing an iconic pixie. Oh. The most iconic. That pixie cut is the most iconic. The pixie that started it all. Yep. I there's a scene right toward the beginning of the movie when he finally gets up the courage because he's you know he's starting to gain some momentum. Mm -hmm. They give him a slight little promotion. He buys a boulder hat and asks Miss Miss Kubelik, played by Shirley MacLaine, if she wants to go. He just somehow got tickets to the to the you know to kiss uh, to a Broadway show and he wants to take her. Mm -hmm. Well, this is where the the sad part of the movie comes in Here. because she never shows up because she's busy talking to Mr. Sheldrake, mm. who is the woman that Mr. Sheldrake is cheating on his wife with. Oh. Fred McMurray is perfectly cast. Is and it he's subtly terrifying. The whole time you're like, this guy's a fucking asshole. Ooh. And I'm scared to death of this guy <laughs> if I'm back. Terrifying is an interesting way to put it because I, first time watching it, I did not, I felt so much anger towards his character. That's what I'm saying. But if you look at it from Baxter's perspective, he's subtly terrifying to Baxter. Mm -hmm. Baxter's scared to death of this guy because he has all the power. Mm -hmm. And I put McMurray Sheldrake as a fucking dick. That was yep. one of my big notes. Yeah, that's his character. The dick. I would like to point out that he was 35 years old. I'm almost 35 myself when he made this film and he won Best Actor. Uh, it, what's his name? Wait, which Jack one? Jack Lennon. 
Oh, so, was 35 okay. when he made this movie. I thought you meant Fred. I'm like, oh, no, he was like 40. Yeah, I bet. Yeah, um, and, but McLean was almost a decade younger than him. Mm-hmm. As, again, the young girl and the old guy. <laughs> so, we, we were talking about how a lot of Wilder's films have really, really iconic scenes. Mm. The ending of this movie is one of the most iconic endings in the history of film. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, so I'm going to spoil it for you guys because fuck it. Do it. Why not? Do you it. guys should check out the movie anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's New Year's Eve. You know, uh, Miss Kubelik finally realizes Sheldrake's never leaving his fucking wife. Mm-hmm. Never. Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, C.C. Baxter's realized that he doesn't want to allow people to be used to use him in this way anymore. So he quits his job. He's going to move out of his apartment. Mm-hmm. He's going to leave. It's New Year's Eve. He's all by himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets a knock on the door, and it's 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 Miss Kubelik, mm-hmm. and she's dressed in pearls. Mm-hmm. She looks beautiful. Mm-hmm. Wasn't she wearing furs too? She was wearing furs. She God. looks so good. She's, she looks so beautiful. Gorgeous. And gorgeous, gorgeous. He's confused as to why she's here. He starts. She starts to tell him, "You're right. I'm an idiot. I, I I've never really had love with men." And then he starts going off about how he absolutely adores her. He says, "Miss Kubelik, I absolutely adore you." And Ms. she just looks at him. With the cards because they never finished their gin game. He goes, shut up and deal. <laughs> and it, and oh. for me, that's not even the best scene in the movie. That's just the end scene. My favorite scene, which I think speaks volumes even now in 2022. Okay. One of the premier items that Miss Kubelik has on her is her compact, which has a broken mirror. Uh-huh. Um, Mr. Sheldrake left that broken mirror in Baxter's apartment. During one of their liaisons uh-huh. uh, between he and Miss Kubelik. Right. He says, I think whoever you were with left this at my apartment. He gets it to Sheldrake. He's like, I'll make sure it gets returned. Well, just let her know the mirror is broken. Fast forward to the Christmas party. Mm-hmm. She's fixing her face. Yeah. And he looks at, it, at the broken compact and he realizes. But she says, he says to her, your, your, your mirror is broken. He says, I know. It make, it, I like that because it makes me look how I feel. Yeah. Oh wow, that's okay. So that's one of the most yeah. Oosh, that's there's like, a lot of well, there's actually a lot of moments like that in this movie because there are just the Ms. apartment Kubelik is so brilliant. Is I mean, not only is Jack Lemon fantastic and their chemistry works, blah blah yeah, blah, they, but and they have really, such a non-sexual, sexy chemistry, right? Like platonic, but at the same time, it's just like you want I'm them to deserve better, and maybe I deserve you. They, you want them to be together because you know Miss Kubelik deserves better than they're both t- Sheldrake, being taken right. and you know CC Baxter deserves what he wants. Right, right. And what he wants and what he deserves is right. not what he's getting. They're exactly. Both, but they both relate to each other on on such a way, and you relate to Shirley MacLaine's character in such a way. I did when I was watching it, and she was going through. We didn't even talk about half of what she does in the film, <laughs> and it's it's not something like what happens in that movie, like other like other Billy Wilder works is not stuff that typically you see right, in right. those kind of movies, especially like even nowadays, you don't really see that kind of stuff without it being played for like blah, 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 for a reason. Uh-huh. But her, their characters are so like, so full and so emotive and so relatable and so fun to watch, but at the same time you feel for them. It's like a tragic comedy uh-huh. almost because you, you really feel for them. They're in like spaces in their lives where they don't know if they want to go one way or the other, especially Sherman McLean. But they're both, they both relate to each other on that level because they understand where they are kind of in this workplace hierarchy. They're uh-huh. bored, they're tired, yep. they're being taken advantage of. Uh, but then they realize they, they see each other on a different sort of level where it's just like, 
hey, you're a person trying to get somewhere. I'm a person trying to get somewhere and we're trying to be real with each other. Yeah. We know exactly where the other person's at. Right. And the ram- the romantic part of that is so, so apparent and so like there and emotive. What I love and, is um, it's, it's not yeah. a romance that's forced and it's not a romance that's even, even seems that it should be there. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's not like the main aspect of the movie. The main aspect of the movie is getting to know C.C. Baxter, uh-huh. his situation, right. and by default, what he wants in his life. Right. And all he wants in his life is to get a promotion and to marry that girl who rides the, who drives right. the, the elevator. elevator. Yep. Yep. Those are his motivations for right. the whole movie. Right, right. He is he is trying to achieve this higher promotion because he thinks that's what will attract Miss Tubula to him. Right, right. But she already without realizing that she he doesn't she doesn't really want that because yeah. she wants what she wants is Mr. Sheldrake to leave his fucking wife. Mm-hmm. But he's never gonna do it. Right, right. right. You know, because they yeah. have their beautiful house in White Plains. Mm-hmm. Which so, it, it is something that you see a lot of like those kind of now. female mm-hmm. archetypes female mm-hmm. characters kind mm-hmm. of fall into but at the same time the way Shirley MacLaine and Billy Wilder work together to to work on her character does not you know she's after something naive yeah it, like a naive dream yeah but it in a way you know that she knows it too yeah she definitely knows exactly. it she's yeah. already she's a the thing is what's great about her character and what really brings this film together along with the other parts is she's a smart lady. Uh-huh. She's a smart lady in a dumb, bad place. <laughs> and that's what that's one of the things that are fascinating about it. That's the last scene of the movie, right? I that's it was in my head. This beautiful two shot of these two beautiful people. Uh-huh. Just in this and she's in the first. And she hands in the cards and says, shut up and deal. And what do you do at that point? Right. I mean, you say okay you yes. start you start Smarting cutting thing. the deck <laughs> start dealing yeah because i mean what are you gonna do i mean shirley mcclain looking as beautiful as she looks at the in that scene at 26 yeah. years old what yeah. are you gonna do you're yeah. gonna do whatever she says right yeah. exactly yeah. spicy lady spicy uh, lady she's very spicy in this movie oh yeah. actually she's really spicy i love God, i love this fucking movie so much i could talk about this movie all day. <laughs> For real. they just took it off 2b tv which is how i watched it uh-huh. um it is on amazon it's it's like four dollars mm-hmm. pay the four dollars it's oh amazing amazing it, movie i can't describe to you guys how funny beautiful nuanced nuanced everything is with this movie wilder is at his absolute best in the apartment for me it's my favorite movie that he's ever done and it mm-hmm. probably always will be Ooh. it's also for me one of my favorite movies ever made uh travis can you hit us with just a few quick things before i get to the end of this Yep. Um, so the apartment is tied with double indemnity as my favorite of Wilder's work. Good pick. And there's a really great kind of chilling moment with Mr. Sheldrake when, you know, Baxter calls him with some news. Oh, yes. His wife comes up to him and asks, what is it? And he said something at work. I don't know why they bother me with these things in kind of a smarmy way. And it's, yes. you know, chilling. I'm going to offer some context to that real quick, Travis. So Mr. Sheldrake is on vacation in White Plains for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And he calls because uh, Miss Kubelik has overdosed on sleeping pills. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And well, that these things that he's referring to is, is Miss Kubelik. Mm. Which should show you his true intentions. Right. He doesn't see Miss Kubelik as a human being. No, no. things. Yep. He sees her as an object for his end game. Mm-hmm. And it's that that stoic confidence that Shay was talking about earlier. It's how he's able to deliver those 
those lines. Oh. And I was able to be such a fucking dick. Yeah. This whole that's, movie. That's what's fascinating. Things. Another fact. The hundredth fascinating on top of it. Fred McMurray is the worst. Yeah. But he's also fantastic at, at being he's the worst. So good in this movie. Uh, he's he's so charismatic good as hell. But you hate him for am it. I, am I wrong here, Travis? This might be <laughs> the best that we've ever seen out of McMurray, especially and and, and again, you this is a guy, this is coming from somebody who loves double indemnity, but I think he's better in this movie. Yeah, I think so. Honestly, you're right. You're right in that because um what was it i think someone else was supposed to be castered for his role but he ended up just stealing it oh tate like blowing everyone else out of the water and he really was fantastic for it and this was his first role that i've ever seen of his honestly i think i'd have to agree with you because in double double indemnity he was fantastic of course but barbara steals it barbara steals it barbara steals it so and this he's playing the villain Mm mm-hmm and he's so good at playing the villain. But he's such a oh, he's such an integral part of mm. all of it. You cannot have CC Baxter be as likable and has as and, and, and as root root forable. Yeah, that's a word I just made it up. Root forable, root forable uh, as he is. If you right don't right. have McMurray Sheldrake be just such a despicable piece of shit, mm-hmm. you got to have the contrast. And it exactly. just works. The foil. You know what I mean? He is the Hercules to that son of a bitch's Hades. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That's actually okay. Yeah. Whoa, was my hair <laughs> Absolutely, Mr. Sheldrake. Don't fuck yourself. <laughs> and that, that we haven't even touched on the fact that the doctor's amazing too. Dr. Dreyfus, who's his neighbor, is fucking amazing in this movie. I love him too. Uh, God, everything about this movie. I, I I could talk about it for hours. I love this movie. I'm glad we're finally talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the apartment sure. is one of the best movies ever made. It's period. Really it's talking about, mm-hmm. but never actually get to talk about. The apartment is one of the best films ever made. Period. Period. A lot of my top 10 has movies made before 1960. Mm-hmm. This is one of them because really? this was made in 1960. Mm-hmm. And it won Best Picture, and God damn it, it deserved to. Honestly, it's one of my favorite romance films ever. Jack Lemon lost Best Actor, but I believe Shirley MacLaine won Best Actress for her role here, as she should. As she should. I'd be upset if she asked. Because no she's absolutely just, she's the lifeblood of this movie. She may not be <laughs> the best like performance in the movie, which I don't think she is. But really? without her, I think Lemon's performance is. I think Lemon just destroys everything. All right, now we're going to fight because she is the best performance <laughs> in that movie. Everyone else fits in. Fits around her. I like fits it. Around her. If everyone because fits around her. If her p- character had been played any more naively or any more hardened, it wouldn't have worked. No, Shirley MacLaine lost. <gasps> she lost. To whom? Oh, we're about to find out. <laughs> Who is it? We're about to look this up. Man. And I just wanted to say that the actor who played the doctor, I think he won Best Supporting Actor that year. No fucking way, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be kidding me, right? I think you did. <laughs> We're about to look this up because I have it all right here. I have the 1960 Oscars right here. I like the I like that you're calling me on it though, by the way. I can appreciate that. Don't ever interrupt me again. <laughs> Motion picture went to the apartment. Best director, Billy Wilder for the apartment. Best actor. Not Jack Lemon. He was nominated and didn't win. Best actress, not Shirley MacLaine. Oh. Elizabeth Taylor for Butterfield Eight. Oh, That's like I, Elizabeth Taylor's seventh best performance, and she won. Oh my God, Tyler, Elizabeth Tyler. No, best supporting actor did not go to him. He was nominated as for Doctor Dreyfus, but did not win. He lost to Peter Ustinov for Spartacus. Okay. So you tried. You interrupted me to call me out, and you still run, Travis. Still. <laughs> How dare you? Just kidding. Good, good stuff. You, you made me question it, and it was good. 
Uh, but he did win. Billy Wilder won two Oscars that year. He won Best Director and Best Screenplay. You know where the Academy was probably at with that was like, whoa, we're giving this guy too many Oscars, so we got to play back a little bit. bit. Mm-hmm. But so here's the thing. I've seen Elbert Gantry, and I've seen The Entertainer, which Lawrence Olivier was nominated for, okay. and Jack Lemmon's better than both of them. And Lancaster won. Okay. Same thing with Butterfield. I see Butterfield 8. I've seen Deborah Kerr in The Sundowners. It's like the fifth, sixth best Deborah Kerr performance. Oh wow! Um, and wait, wait, Deborah who? Deborah Kerr. She's also in From Here to Eternity. No, she was in something else. She's been in a lot of stuff. She, okay, yeah. Um, but McLean for me is better. They should have won that, and it should have been one of the only films in history mm-hmm. of this uh, illustrious award to win actor, director, actress, actress, and screenplay. Do you guys know the other three? The only three that have done it? No. Travis, do you know? No, I do not. Well, let me put you up on some games. I, I want a hint. I want a hint. You will get no hints. You will get the answer. <laughs> the first film to do it was It Happened One Night. Oh, okay. Shit. Actor, Claude Gable. Actress, Claudette Colbert. Screenplay, I forget his name, the Jewish guy that wrote it. And then at director and picture. Mm-hmm. The second film to do it was produced by Kurt Douglas, who we talked about earlier, and Michael Douglas, and so they have an Oscar for this movie. Wait, are they related? Their brother, their son and son and uh, father. I never put that together. <laughs> their father and son. So they adapted a book that Michael had read, and it was called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, oh yeah, we all know that one. Best picture, best actor, best director, <laughs> best actress, best screenplay. If you can hear Landon's moaning on the other side. <laughs> and the last film to do it, the last film to do it is the only horror film to ever win Best Picture, The Silence of the Lambs. Mm. Okay. Tragically, tragically the only horror film. No, 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 fortunately. (laughs) To be fair though, to be fair, Black Swan did not deserve to win that year, but maybe, because it was pretty good. Inception was nominated that year too though, and Inception is excellent. I love Inception. It's excellent. It's fantastic. Inception was nominated that year too. But Black Swan was pretty good too. Black Swan. Yeah, yeah, it's excellent. Um, but also, the, the Exorcist would have had a... Oh. It was nominated in 77 against Star Wars and the eventual winner, um, Woody Allen's film. Uh, yeah, well... <laughs> don't don't yeah. fuck yourself. I like Woody Allen, okay? Uh, I like Woody Allen. Yeah, separate the art from the... For good. Yeah, separate the art from the artist. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Always, always. That's all I'm saying. Separate yeah. the art from the art. Mm-hmm. From the artist. Woody Allen was not... You know, he won it for, <laughs> for this in 1977. Wait, was it won- a hat? It was Annie Hall. Oh, it's probably his best film. And Manhattan was seventy nine. It's still a good film. That's so, and it's not even like my decision necessarily, where I'm like actively like, no, I don't want to watch these movies. But literally, I've never seen a single Woody Allen film. You should. I should. You're good. No, like legitimately, I should as a film major. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> just don't watch. Just don't watch his last movie that just came out because it wasn't very. I know. What was that after a while? Cafe Society or something. That one was okay. Wonder Wheel was cool too because it had you know the Queen in it. What about Blue Jasmine? That's a great movie. Okay. Blue Jasmine. Do love me some Kate Blanchett. <gasps> He's working with good actresses because he had the actual Queen in Wonder Wheel. The other oh. uh, British Queen uh, who's amazing, Kate Winslet. Oh, okay. I thought you meant the actual Queen. No, 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 no. Kate but Winslet is the Queen. Now. Is the Queen. She is a queen. period. Mm-hmm. End of story. We love you, Kate. We do. We love both Kates. Blanchett and Winslet. Both oh, true. Although I was mad that the Kate with Kane, that Kate. Blanchett beat Winslet for Best Actress that year because Elizabeth is good 
But Clementine's one of the most iconic roles in film history. Honestly, Elizabeth was mother. Exactly my point. But that her role like, as Clementine Krasinski is one of the most iconic in film history. Yeah. I mean, and I she should have won Best Actress that year because it was the best performance of 2005. Period. End of story. I will die on that hill and I will kill anybody who tries <laughs> to argue. I will die on that hill with you even though I haven't seen the movie yet because I know it'll resonate too hard. The fuck, bro. I know, I know, I know. I know. Before we leave, let's, uh, <laughs> before we sign off uh, on that, thank you for joining us, Travis. Is there anything you want to plug before we let you go and, uh, uh, and all that? Well, I have my own podcast nice. called Warren and Noble on Movies. Okay. That is, we've been doing it for about uh, about two and a half months, me and my co-host. Okay. And we've been talking about Brian De Palma films. Oh, saucy. So, Indeed. yeah. So like anybody out there who wants to listen to that, that's uh available where um it's available on uh spotify okay and that's it and pod, pod reel and oh. other and other uh sites so those names Michelle at the moment. Available everywhere all of them mm-hmm. all at once Good stuff. Thank you for joining <laughs> us, Travis. And they can follow you on Twitter at, is it FilmGuy97? Is that right? Yeah. Nice. All right. And so I'm a, before I let you all go here, let's just thank everybody for joining us today. We'll start with our resident doctor she is in <laughs> and taking patients, Dr. Gina Delgado. Thank Thanks thank for joining you. us. We appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Of thank course. You. And I'm, we're hoping that you learned a little bit. And I learned so much. You need to watch the apartment, though. <laughs> I'm going to have to watch the apartment. Uh, you're gonna have to watch a lot. <laughs> I, I I look forward to all of your guys' homework. Yeah. Oh right, exactly. <laughs> next month will probably so you don't have to. next month will probably be less homework because I don't know what we're gonna talk about. I don't even know who we have as a guest yet. We'll have to round him like right yeah. now. Yeah. Um. Say obviously. Oh wait, where can they follow you if they want to follow you? Oh yeah. Well, Gina you can, You can follow me on my comedy TikTok. Um, uh, I always get it wrong. She's way fucking funnier now. than me. Uh, bye. At Dr. Dot Chiquita, like Chiquita Banana, Ginita, G I N I T A. So that's at Dr. No, at Dr. Dot C H I Q U I T A G I N I T A. I hope I make I hope I make you laugh. She okay for okay. Oh damn. Okay, so I'm looking at your TikTok right now. <laughs> 37.9 thousand followers and 1.2 million likes. You really need to tell them to follow us on there? <laughs> yeah, then we're, yeah, we'll, we'll make a TikTok. We'll make a TikTok. Make them do it. Um, that is awesome. Yeah, because I want to start getting some money off this year. That We're going to do that then. We uh, just get you into lives. the creator fund. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, and so my lovely and talented, always here, assistant and person in charge of most of the things I do here, yeah. my little sister, Shay's own. Where can they follow you? Oh, thank you, Hefe. So where you can follow me is at Limina underscore 1999. Limina is spelled like liminal, but without the L. Don't follow me on Facebook or I'll kill you. She will fucking kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and last but certainly not at least, you can follow me everywhere at Film Snob Reviews. We hope that you will follow. And by the way, we're going to be doing a giveaway. All oh. you got to do is on episode 14, the one right before this, where we talk about 2000 cinema. You got to leave your favorite 2000s indie films 
in any of the discussion posts, or you can hit me up on Twitter. We're going to be giving away a copy of 500 Days of Summer. Oh, damn. One of the best romantic comedies of the 2010. Damn, that's a good giveaway. I think so, too. Yes. Mm. Trust me, it's a great movie, and I love it. And it is a stereotypical 2010s indie film that debuted at Sundance. I mean, one can try to achieve the level of legendary bangs that Zoe Deschanel has has held. <laughs> She's held that crown for decades. It's good bangs. Yeah. Those good bangs. I, I love try. Bangs. I'll never. Yours too long. Are they really? To, cut to be to be that iconic? Yes. They're, they're hers still, long. No, those, hers only go like to right here. She's probably got a small forehead. She does. <laughs> I got a big forehead. Some of us don't have 16 head shape. <laughs> what? Excuse me. You heard me. I have enough forehead for 16 babies. That's exactly the point I'm making. Okay. We hope that you guys will join us. And by the way, make sure you take advantage of everything that we're on. We, we um, do have our own merch store. We'll be in the discussion in the uh, description of the damn podcast down there. Go buy some stuff from Tee Public. There's some really cool designs, including it happened one night design which has uh that i made myself and i love it um there's also a trip to the moon one that's a variant that's very uh, that is um reminiscent of the legend of zelda majora's mask it's a mashup that i made oh shit so uh i'll buy one, one out. Uh, it's on t public slash film review. check that out make sure you're following us like us and you can follow my regular twitter if you want to see me talk shit on about video games and stuff Woo-hoo! we'll like yourself we'll add uh, twitter for Phil Snob Reviews, this has been the Snobcast. This has been episode 15. Thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. I don't know what the fuck we're doing next month. I'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.